Thanks for listening to The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. Hey guys, we're using Poshmark and you should too. Do you have things that you don't wear anymore? Poshmark is seriously the easiest way to make room in your closet, make some cash, and also snag a bargain. It's the coolest reseller with the best brands like Lululemon, Nike Reformation, and Gucci for up to 70% off. DJ Khaled has a closet and Serena Williams. Download the app today. Enter Podcast 10 when you sign up for $10 off your first purchase on Poshmark. Saving starts with internet and wireless from Xfinity. Because when you get Xfinity Internet and add mobile, you can save up to $400 a year on wireless. Enjoy fast, reliable internet at home and nationwide 5G on the go, included at no extra cost. Get Xfinity Internet and Mobile together and ask how to get an eligible 5G phone on us. And for a limited time, $300 back. Don't miss out. Go to Xfinity.com slash start saving. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Savings based on optimized pricing. Actual savings may vary. Number one selling New York Times uh, author, Brad Thor, is going to join us. Always interesting. Tell us about his story and many things to do with uh, covert black ops and everything else. First, I'll tell you about BlindsGalore.com. Over 2 million windows covered. Blinds Galore does one thing. They do it better than anyone. 100% custom window treatments built to your exact measurements. Blinds, shades, shutters, drapes, motorized blackout drapes, whatever, shades, whatever you need. I have them in my studio. I have them at my home. I have them everywhere. Every place that uh, has my name on the deed. We've got blinds galore. Dr. Drew has them at his place as well. Um, they do one thing, and uh, you they do one thing right, and that is blinds and shades and shutters. You do it right from your home. Just take the measurements, customize it uh, online, see exactly what it's going to look like on screen before you buy, and then go. Family owned and run for over 20 years. It's blinds galore. Right, Dawson? Get the high-quality custom blinds and shades you've always wanted in your home, all at a great price at blindsgalore.com. Order your free samples today to get started and see for yourself. Make sure to let them know Adam sent you. That's blindsgalore.com. Adam Carolla's I'm Your Emotional Support Animal, navigating our all-woke, no-joke culture, has over a thousand five-star reviews on Amazon. Here's one. I must admit that ordering the book after hearing Mr. Carolla say this must bring Pulitzer World touch, I was curious, and it was the prolabulous so glad and read it. Dude, solid. You gotta read the book. Pick up I'm Your Emotional Support Animal, navigating our all-woke, no-joke culture, and leave your five-star review on Amazon. Get all the links at adamcarolla.com. Brad Thors, back on the show, New York Times best-selling author, latest offering, Black Ice. It's uh, available now on uh, Amazon, and uh, we'll get into uh, that. Good to see you, Brad. Nice to see you, Ace. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it is my pleasure. Um, the books, I mean, I know you shadow a lot of the special forces guys and you've been to all the hot spots or many hot spots around the world. What, what hot spots have you been to? Only Afghanistan. Oh, that's it. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, let's bring this home. <laughs> wrap it Thanks up. for coming. It was nice having you, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and how does one shadow like a special forces unit and how does one do that without getting shot? 
I mean, without having the bad guys think you're just involved with the special forces unit. Well, the first thing is you only go to places you've been invited. That's number one. Uh, You don't sneak up on anybody. This was not something where they were kicking in doors and shooting bad guys in the face. This was intelligence gathering and developing human networks. It was it was the intelligence side of stuff, not the special forces side of stuff. So, you know, we heard gunfire. None was directed at us. Uh, It was it was the best fried chicken I ever had was in Jalalabad, believe it or not. And uh, it was it was a good trip. And it was cool because this code, uh, if you saw the movie Lone Survivor with uh, Marcus Luttrell, Mm -hmm. where that Afghan man protects him and takes him to the village and they fight on his behalf. That's their code of honor called the Pashtun Wali, where if you're invited into the village, they will fight to the death to protect you. I mean, try, you know, breaking down on the 405 and getting somebody to help you change a tire. Right. I mean, these guys will fight to the death for you. So that's that we only went to places where the team that I was with had relationships and the village elders had invited us in. Um, we were talking, I think, last time about a, a small group of people like yourself who have been contacted by our government to use your creative mind to sort of dream up terrorist scenarios. Um, I think historically they've used creatives in the past to sort of come up with stuff that they thought maybe even on nine 11, maybe there were some authors or some Hollywood types or some creatives who basically said flying the plane into the tower. That's, that's the way to do it. Or that might be the way to do it. I don't know if they listened or not, but Mm -hmm. is that a regular thing? Does it seem to come up as it vary from administration to administration? Like how does that process work? So what I was part of was something called the analytic red cell unit. And it was uh, stood up at the Department of Homeland Security shortly after 9-11, because that's when DHS was put together. Uh, Clancy had done a book where some pilot kamikaze an airplane into a joint session of Congress. Mm-hmm. And so that idea had kind of been kicking around out there. But after 9-11, before the 9-11 commission report ever came out, the government realized Al-Qaeda was successful because of a failure of imagination on our part. So they mm-hmm. stood up the analytic red cell unit, asked creative thinkers from outside D.C. like me, Michael Bay, the Transformers director, and a bunch of other creative folks to come in and help them stay four to five steps ahead of the bad guys. So in the the program, you you still get called every once in a while. People get called in different frequencies. Uh, I think sometimes it feels like you're you're being handed pieces of information. They're trying to put together a puzzle kind of in the dark without a box, without the lid. You know, if you had this or if if one roller skate showed up in Jakarta and the key showed up in Berlin, you know, it's this weird kind of a. Uh, exercise sometimes they'll put you through and you have to wonder, are you actually helping them assemble bits of intelligence that they've gathered that they can't make sense of? Yeah, it sounds, uh, it's fascinating. Also sounds like a pretty good place to network. (laughs) uh, I call it the Las Vegas of government programs because what happens in the red cell stays in the red cell. You know, I can't, you can network in there and you, you do meet a lot of the alphabets in the soup. So you've got all of these three letter agencies in there. But my dad's a Marine, no longer active. Uh, And uh, it's an honor for me to have been asked to serve my country, not by picking up a rifle, but by using the gray matter between my ears to help uh, dream up uh, scenarios that will hopefully keep Americans and uh, American interests safe at home home and abroad. Um, What about going doing features out of your your books? I'm, I'm sure that's been done quite a bit. Options, options as options got to be the uh, the 
The oh. best is the option, right? That's we mailbox talk money. About that. That's yeah. mailbox money until it doesn't get made. Uh, there's a, a change of executives and they <sighs> decide to wipe the slate clean. Mm-hmm. You know, for a town like L.A., like Hollywood, which is filled with so many beautiful people, I have kissed every frog in that town. <laughs> I could write a book <laughs> all about the twists and turns of Hollywood. But we've got a deal right now at a studio and we are waiting for the final players to sign their agreements in the studio to make the announcement. And uh, somebody who works with me said every single option that never materialized into a film he said all of it's worth it to get to where we are now with the people we've got i have i wish i could say who the names are but the executive producer came to me said you could pick your director i'm like are you serious he goes yeah here's who i like who do you like and i gave him the best action director uh, my favorite guy and he's like boom i'll get it done and he did Uh, best screenwriter i got everything i wanted so i'm thrilled but until i'm sitting in the theater with a bucket of popcorn you know and my huge coke i'm not gonna not gonna believe it because i've just been Great guys. I love the people on the team, but it's just I've been at this game for two decades now and we've been through so many options that I'll believe it when I see it kind of a thing. But this is a great team. I, I it, We've never been as close as we are now. Well, you don't have to tell us the name of the director. Just tell us the name of a few movies he's yeah. directed and then like Brian five. can do the math. <laughs> You know, if, if we it, can guess it in one guess, you have to say yes. yes. It kind of it's kind of interesting because I never really thought about it, but I've 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 had some option oriented stuff as well. It's the longest slog in the world, and you know, it, it, oh, it's so exciting the day you find out, but it never really so much can go wrong in between then and the actual being in the theater. I wouldn't like know. talk about, <laughs> but but you know, it's kind of interesting in that. When it comes to making films, and they're the guys who are having the the intellectual property option, right. they want it to be in that movie theater. That's the payday for them. And the director wants to go to work, and the writer wants to go to work. And then there's a whole bunch of other guys who get paid either way. Like mm. they're just in there spinning plates. Sure. They're going to another meeting. They're talking the about another option. Like, the they don't need you to bring it home that badly. And I would say most of the people in the room, it's sort of like, it's like saying, wouldn't you like this park to be litter free? And it's like, well, not for the guy who gets paid to pick up the litter. <laughs> he kind of mm. likes that people are throwing their wrappers right. out. He stays busy, you know. Right. And we've even talked about how it's it's a safer bet to say no. So if that's your job, that you hit the honeypot. Yeah. But it kind of greenlit this piece of shit. Right. <laughs> seems like there's more people getting paid to sort of pedal in place right. than there are to actually have that yeah. thing show up in a in a movie theater and and the. The yeah. good thing, Ace, for us is that the people that we've aligned with, the uh, the director, the executive producer, these are all people with smash successful projects. And the studio is saying, what do you want to do next? And they all came together and they said, we want to do Brad Thor's books next. So that's the one thing that we have not had before where there's been this much star power behind uh, the deal. So. But you're right. You're in right. Gina's right too. The easiest thing to say in Hollywood is no, and you hear it all the time. It's just it's part of the business. So that's why you got to keep you know rise and grind every single day and, and make it happen. So if the first one comes out and the first one's a success, then you get to get into the deep into the whole series, right? Yeah, that's what we're hoping. So what's been thrown around on our side is this is a really big budget thing. These guys want to give Bond a run for its money the same way and even better than the Bourne Identity did with Matt Damon. So that's the idea here is that we become a massive franchise that can compete on that on that level globally. 
Yeah, it seems like... Don't say anything bad about the Chinese during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think what is... Uh, I mean, Brian's probably knows I've been more thinking about, about this. the last five minutes. The trends <laughs> oh, of, sorry. like, smaller boutique movies, big... I. Is it uh, – I'm always trying to connect things. I, I feel like in our society, we're kind of in this weird spot with films and, and with with food in that you go to the airport and there's a Chick-fil-A and there's a line of 40 people waiting at Chick-fil-A. Yes. And then everyone also wants to recommend their little spot, mm. kind of mon pa. So we like kind of the really yep. one of one kind of right. boutique stuff. And then we went Jersey Mike's. The Felixes right. of the world. Right. The, <laughs> the aforementioned restaurant. Right. right. So is it going that way with well, movies 100%. and that we went huge franchises and one off? You're probably things? aware of this, Brad. You might be aware of this too. The de- they call it the death of the mid budget or the mid level budget. Like you have micro budgets, which now means like under $10 million, you know, five, six, seven million dollar movie. Uh, the aforementioned, um, uh, one with the, 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 the stripper at the end and the girl on, on Oh, the, a promising, promising young woman. Yeah, it's a perfect example. But then like you have, then you go Marvel and you go, right. the aforementioned Bond and you'll go with Mission Impossible, which which has has bitten into a lot of Bond's business, or at least mm-hmm. all their their business model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and that's how we sold it. Brian's right. We sold this as you're buying. I've got twenty books, so it's a lifetime of movies and spinoff characters and all this kind of stuff. So we we sold it basically as you're buying the Marvel universe. When you mm-hmm. buy all twenty one, actually it's twenty one books. Brad Thor books, you're you're getting this universe. So there's uh, unlimited potential for TV and streaming and uh, all that kind of stuff. So that's so Brian's very you're you're correct. There is that death of the the mid budget uh, picture. And I don't know, Brad. I've done none of my business, but if you're selling it to Paramount, for example, that's attractive to them because they have Paramount Plus properties right. now. They can make a spinoff right. TV show or a limited series. Did yep. uh, so, Brad? How does I uh, was. Brian was mentioning off the air that you guys had the same professor screenwriting or creative no, writing. No, no, creative writing. So creative writing. TC? If you'll indul- indulge me for a second. Yeah, Brad, at so UFC. you and I both studied under T.C. Boyle. I don't know about your experience. <laughs> the best professor I ever had at USC. Uh, I took his class twice. And I, too, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I wrote one book. And in the book, uh, I talked about my biggest regrets like in my life. One of them is not taking T.C. Boyle's advanced writing class. He like personally invited me to take the class, but I was a senior wow. and I was leaving school and he uh, he's like, oh, it's too bad. I'm like, it is too bad because that would have been friggin' awesome. Can you talk about your experience with him? I, I love Tom. I mean, what didn't he own like the first Frank Lloyd Wright house west of the Mississippi? <laughs> yeah, he's just such a character with he's that, real you know, the white afro. Tell you what the, he doesn't own. That's, it's a conditioner. That's something he does not own. <laughs> But he may own the Frank Lloyd Wright house. He's a character. For sure. uh, so, he's a neat guy. And he's like, it, it's funny because there was that joke that he was like huge in Germany. You know, like Hasselhoff was huge in Germany, right. but it was legit that he, he was really popular, not only in the States and books like Tortilla Curtain. And they did the, if you don't know him, Ace, uh, they did the road to Wellville with Anthony Hopkins sure. and Matthew Broderick about Kellogg, uh, right. Michigan and the quack cures and all that kind of stuff. That was his book. But 
neat guy. I learned a ton. I will say this, that if I ever uh, go back in, in my old age and teach there, what I'd love to teach is the business of writing because we got to learn about the art of writing. Sure, Nobody sure. taught me how to read a royalty statement, how to get an agent. <laughs> no. You know, there's all this stuff. And I don't know how many successful writers the program turns out. Just two, just you I, and I me. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it then. Well, how did you decide on this? I mean, you must have wanted... You you probably had some realistic career idea when you were younger. I mean, writing novels it just doesn't feel like a high percentage job. No, how did how and did not you get for the son that? of a United States Marine in our house. Right. Uh, the arts were something to make you better rounded. They weren't a career path. Mm-hmm. And so I went off to college. Uh, my dad had been doing a lot of work in Southern California. He had gone into real estate development uh, after the Marine Corps. He went to school on the GI Bill and then got involved in construction and uh, stuff. In I went to USC uh, where Brian went and I went there to learn business. I was going to take over the family business and I hated studying business. It just I'd always wanted to be a writer since I was a little boy. So I switched my major. Didn't tell my dad. He figured it out. You know, one or two report cards was all it took for him to figure it out. But he he rolled with it for undergrad. And um, then I, I said, I don't know if you know where Air One Foods is in LA that's over behind the Grove. By the Grove uh, yeah. I leased apartments there while I went to USC mm-hmm. and saved my money so I could go to, uh, I was going to do something no American had ever done after I graduated. I was going to go to Paris and write a novel. Had never <laughs> been done. It's going to be the first guy. Oh, good idea. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty original. <laughs> And I got two chapters into writing a book and I had this voice in the back head that I think we all have at times in life where it says, eh, you know what? You're probably not that good at this. Why risk the embarrassment? Don't don't go out on this limb. Just don't do it. And growing up, there was a PSA I used to see on the weekends when we would sit around the TV, me and my brother. And it was a slogan for the United Negro College Foundation, which is a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I shortened it as a young adult to a mind is a terrible thing, period. Hmm. I I really believe that that which we're most destined to do in life, we're often most afraid of. So I shipped my laptop back home, took all that money I'd saved working during college, and I traveled around Europe. And I came back and my old man's like, well, you got to get into the business and you studied creative writing. And he got me an interview at William Morris to go into the uh, agent training program. Wow. He's like, I don't care about the Kevin Spacey movie, Swimming with Sharks. It can't be that <laughs> I bad. I love that movie. <laughs> it is that bad. It's just like that. But I got all the way through and I had, been, I had pitched. I'd come up with this idea while I was traveling overseas for a budget travel series. Get a backpack, get a rail pass. I met kids overseas when I was working in a bar in Greece. This wasn't part of my Chicago experience where your parents bought you a rail pass and you traveled or you were an Australian that took two years to travel mm-hmm. around the world. And so I thought they'd make a cool TV show. And I pitched public television and I worked it up and I didn't have any experience. My old man said, LA is full of freelancers. Find the best freelancers you can, draw them up on a piece of paper. He said, nobody's born with a beard. He said, you need to construct your beard. And, and then anybody who asks you about your experience say, well, look at my director, look at my cameraman, you know, just right. immediately the attention. So I pitched public television and they really liked the idea. And I was coming up on my last uh, interview at William Morris to go into the training program. And it was with the head of their TV department, a guy named Bob Cristani. And he gave me a great piece of advice. He said, Brad, you're obviously artistic at heart. You'd probably do okay here in the agent training program, but you've got this deal with public television. He said, grab it with both hands, grab it, go have a good time. I, I would tell you this as your agent. I'm telling you this as just somebody who's interviewing you, go do it. 
And it was a fantastic piece of advice. I ran away from being a novelist. I did a nationwide show on public television for a couple of years. And then on my honeymoon, my wife looked at me and she said, what would you regret on your deathbed never having done? And before I could grab the 69. words out of the room, <laughs> well, 68, that's, yeah. you know what a 68 is. So that's, you know that one, right? No, it's, that's, that's uh, where you do me and I owe you, owe you one. one. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. So anyway, before I, could, great joke. before I could take it back, I said, writing a book and getting it published. And so my beautiful wife said, fine, when we get home, you need to start taking two hours a day, protected time and, and make that happen. And I did. And, uh, and that was my first novel, The Lions of Lucerne. And uh, also on the honeymoon, we shared an overnight train compartment with a lovely brother and sister from Atlanta, Georgia. They were big fans of my TV show. We talked books all night. And when we got to the train station in the morning, she said, you're going to go home and make more of your TV show, Traveling Light. And I said, actually, because I thought the more I talked about my goal, the, the realer it would become. I said, I'm going to write a book. And we went to exchange business cards. And she was a sales rep for Simon & Schuster. Oh she said, if God. you write that book. I want to read it. If I can help you, I will. And I've been with Simon & Schuster ever since. All 21 novels. Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I always kind of talk about this because everyone always talks about the haves and the have-nots. And they always talk about money. But I always try to explain to them, it's not really about money. It's about concern and advice and people mm -hmm. in your life saying, here's what you need to do. Or I can help you do this. They're not really – it's not about – giving you money it's about giving you good advice and opportunity and then you can go off and hopefully that'll translate into money but you had a lot of people in your life like saying you know here's what you should do or here's what you've got to do which is good uh although I've told a million people like here's what you need to do and they're like fuck you old man I know what I'm doing you have so, the boss of me the the person who's the recipient of it, you got to give that person some credit because a lot of people just go, I know what I'm doing or right. get out of my uh, get out of my business well, or the ability to execute that yes. advice or that opportunity or whatever. That's a skill. Yes, but there's something and but also you have to wonder what is it about your temperament or your posture or your <laughs> demeanor that invites people to go here's what you need to right. do because most people don't feel comfortable saying that to other people, but there has to be some sort of unspoken as uh, they would say when you were uh, in, in Paris, uh, je ne sais quoi that Brad possesses that people go, I would like to, I mean, it, it could literally just be body language. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, it's, or it's probably 18 things, but there's something about you that make people want to go, here's what you need to do. And I'm, I'm rooting for you. Either that, or I would have sucked in the agent training program. And this guy was wash my car. You happy can pick up my dry cleaning <laughs> fast enough. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, it just sounds like kismet after kismet, which, it which it is. But what no one ever understands is you were on that train and you were pursuing this. And, you know, the one thing leads to another famously. But, I mean, you had to start down that path. Otherwise, there is no kismet with the with the book agent. Ace, I got to tell you, the kismet was unbelievable because that was a shared overnight compartment on my honeymoon. It was our last overnight ride. We were wow. going from Oktoberfest in Munich to Amsterdam, and I had spent the entire honeymoon trying to change that compartment so we could have a private. 
Yeah, and I couldn't. And my wife's like, you got to let this go. <laughs> so when we exchange the business cards the next morning, it's raining in Amsterdam. When we arrive, there's no cabs. We have to drag our bags to the little hotel not far from the station. And the room's not ready. And the manager says, I'm so sorry. He said, there's a cafe around the corner. Why don't you go get a sandwich? When you come back, the room will be ready. I'm a Chicago guy and I'm a cynic at heart. And I was like, I bet the rooms are never ready. It's probably his brother-in-law's cafe around the corner, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where he sends everybody for 20 minutes to spend a few bucks. But we sit down and my wife's like Louis L'Amour, the famous Western author. She's always got a paperback going. I had nothing. I look around and I grab an English language newspaper and I'm flipping through it. And as a travel show host, I had loved going to Lucerne, Switzerland and seeing the lion monument there that uh, was carved as a dedication to the 700 plus Swiss guard who died in the French Revolution, protecting King Louis and Marie Antoinette. And I always loved the sound, the lion of Lucerne. And I had told myself before I'd ever told my wife I wanted to write a book, I said, if I ever write a novel, I'm going to call it the lions of Lucerne. I don't know what it'll have to do with Switzerland, whatever. Fast forward a couple of years later, sitting in that cafe with the card from the Simon and Schuster person in my pocket, I pick up this paper I'm flipping through and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I find this little intelligence brief that's talking about a real life Swiss intelligence officer who embezzled all this money from the Swiss army and was training his own shadow militia high in the Alps with uh, high tech weapons from his own private arsenal. I said, that's the lines of Lucerne. That's the book I'm going to write. So the kismet just, it was like dominoes. Once I committed that I was going to write the book, it just went bang, 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 bang. But it, it did. But it, as you're, I'm getting goosebumps as you say that. But that's, it's like you have to wonder how many moments in our lives, how many moments in our days do we have that we didn't even realize? It didn't even register. So you're yep. staying open. Your mind is constantly, you know, a, a 360 as opposed to whatever's right in front of you. So for me, that's the takeaway. What did I miss? Well, I don't want to miss any more. Yeah. How many how many opportunities do you walk by and you right. don't realize this stuff is being thrown right at you? I, and I have no idea. For years, I wanted to be an author. And I, it wasn't until my wife asked me that question. And here I am. I mean, I, I'm sure Brian and, and Ace can relate. You're, you can't look at the woman you just married and say, yeah, but I'm a chicken. That's my biggest that's my biggest desire. <laughs> she knows. Life, but I don't have the guts <laughs> to go do it. Right. You know, so that's I, it was a good, solid push. It wasn't meant as anything nagging or pushing, but it was great support. And at that point, it was, you know, it was like burning Cortez, burning the ships. I couldn't turn back. I was I was committed now that I admitted it. Well, this woman between saying it's all good if we share this uh, train car with a couple and saying you need to get home and you need to realize your dream. She sounds like a keeper. She is. She's she's amazing. I always wanted to marry Meg Ryan and I did much, much better. Mm. Yeah, Meg's had some bad work done. I think uh, you're doing all right. You're doing a bit of a stumble. You're doing all right. So, (laughs) for you is um, the process. Let's get into the process uh, for just one second. How much of your story is kind of shaped? Like, um, I know guys who write novels. I know guys who write TV movies and uh, movies and tv and stuff and they just look through the newspaper and they see all these stories you know and uh, one i brought up before with my friend uh, nick santora who's written a bunch of tv movies and books and stuff like that he was just like reading the newspaper it's like oh there's a guy who trains white collar guys who are going to prison it's mm. a real story you mm-hmm. know and then he thought oh that's, that's a, a good story movie. that that sounds like a good story right there for a movie um how much of 
how much of you and what you do is watching the news, reading the newspaper lines of Lucerne or things like that? It's it's huge. So I read uh, not actual physical newspaper. I love that gag on The Daily Show where one of the guys was asking a journalist, why do you call it the newspaper if all of it happened yesterday? <laughs> so I subscribe and I'm on several different websites. Uh, but yeah, that, I get great ideas that way. And the other way I get great ideas is I buy a lot of pitchers of beer for guys in the military, the intelligence world, steak dinners. And there's two questions I like to ask. Number one, what keeps you up at night? And number two, what do you think we're not hearing enough about mm. in the press? What is it that's an area of concern that you think that if more Americans were paying attention, it would get more attention, whether it's from CIA or the State Department or the White House or Congress, whatever. So those are the that's how I like to really get my real life ideas. And I call what I do faction where you don't know where the facts end and the fiction begins. So there's a lot of detail in there. I'm sure Stephen King, it's hard to write his books, but he gets to invent all the rules, right? There's no boundaries to what he can do. You put the right. cat in the ground and the cat comes back. Yeah, I can't do that. I have to use the tactics and the equipment that the SEALs use or Delta Force or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, the, it's the best job in the world. And I'm really lucky. And I constantly thank my readers because they're my bosses. So it's not the publishing company I work for. It's it's the readers. And when they leave those five stars, that's my annual performance review. So Midwesterner, son of a Marine and a flight attendant, they've always said you show up every day at work as if it's your first day. And if you don't work hard enough, it could be your last day. So I always want the readers happy. So I'm constantly tweaking and trying to get better in the off season. Um, and I don't even know if the readers notice it, but I notice it and I will never phone it in. I'm always raising the my job has gotten harder and harder every single year. But they love the books, and that, for me, is all that matters. Well, the book is called Black Ice. It's available now on Amazon, and you can follow Brad on Twitter, by the way, at Brad Thor. That's just T-H-O-R as well. Hey, uh, next time you're in Hollywood having one of your high-powered meetings out Mm -hmm. here as these things, these options become a reality, uh, come by and say hi. I would love to. It'd be great to be on set with you guys again. Thanks, Brad Thor. Appreciate it. All right. Let me tell you guys about uh, Tommy John. This summer, soak up the sun, not the sweat. Tommy John, cool cotton fabric, two to three times cooler than regular cotton. Get a pair of new Tommy John underwear and let your buns breathe. Oh, especially when you're traveling or you're active or you're hiking or you're exercising dozens of comfort innovations like breathable, lightweight, moisture wicking fabric, four times the stretch of competing brands. Once you try Tommy John underwear, you're never going back. Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. I am wearing one as we speak. I will always wear Tommy John. And again, they dry fast on you. So if you're going out, hike, hiking around, working up a little lather, you can come back to the house, walk around. They'll just air dry right on you. It's the best pair you'll ever wear. It's free. Guarantee. Right, Dawson? Right now, get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Adam. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Adam for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Adam. See site for details. All right. Uh, we'll take ourselves a quick break. We'll come back and do the news right after this. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know. It's hard work out there, owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? 
bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too because you got so much to do already. Go to geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is geico.com today. That's geico.com. Give me the news with Grad. News with Gino Grad. Breaking viral. Weird crime protest politics. Give me news with Gina Grad. Stuff they saw on TMC. Joe Biden. Come on. Meet news with Gina Gina Grad. The news with Gina Grad. We talked a little bit about the airline situation, so let's pay that off. If you've noticed this onslaught of flight delays and cancellations at the airport, you're not imagining it. It is happening. You you all have experienced it. Reports tend to link COVID and uh, the decrease in two very important things to the reason this is happening. So, A, not only did they encourage many pilots and flight attendants and anyone related to this industry to take early retirement last year Mm. as companies were desperate to downsize. They don't have enough planes now either. Why? Because they all went into storage. Um, Business Insider. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Business Insider reports that many U.S. carriers shed older aircraft from their fleets in this cash saving effort during the worst of the pandemic when, I mean, what was it like 2% of people were flying. Now that demand is ramping up. Airlines are finding themselves without enough planes because to get it out of the storage facility and bring it back into service is way too expensive for airlines to like dust it off and get it ready for flying. Business Insider goes on to confirm that airline schedules are now highly unreliable. Travelers booking flights should be prepared for all kinds of unexpected changes, cancellations, Mm -hmm. changes to airline schedules. They occur anytime, all the time. You have to check your booking constantly. And like I said, I took a friend of mine to the airport Yesterday, in the middle of the afternoon, as we're getting closer, it's getting pushed back, pushed back. She's like, just drop me off. It's fine. I dropped her off. Like I said earlier, they're missing a pilot. They decided to pull him off of this flight to Dallas and send him somewhere else. And there just aren't enough pilots. So everybody got put in a hotel. They pushed him back, pushed him back, pushed him back all morning, rerouted her to Chicago. She had to double back. It's chaos out there. Well, what? How do you guys explain this? Um, the airport, LAX, and uh, Burbank; those are two airports. They were really crowded the last few times we landed. Last few times we took off. So now you have that anxiety of how crowded it's going to be. Can you right. park? It's hit and miss. Like I've right. airports that have been ghost towns and some that have packed. Right. Can you park in the parking? Or you have to park outside right. and take a shuttle in. Do you have to factor that time in? Blah blah blah. Um, we flew Delta to uh, North Carolina. Um, as we pulled into the airport, I said, oh, this is a ghost town. It was not crowded at all. Mm-hmm. And again, everyone always tries to assign a day or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. to it. You know, they go, Those well, the, the Tuesday after Arbor right. Day, yeah. you got to expect there's sure. going to be people get super superstitious. <laughs> yes. They start like, we got to throw the virgin in the volcano so we can get a good crop yield this year. <laughs> but it's always like this was Friday morning and there just wasn't anyone at the airport. Right. But at the Delta Gate, that was packed. Oh, really? mm-hmm. So there, in general, there wasn't really anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, no traffic coming mm-hmm. in, wide open, pull up to the curb, and then get to Delta, and security's house. going out into the sidewalk in a place of Madhouse. So now how does it work where the airport is not very crowded, but Delta is 
packed. Well, well I can't. I don't. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Gina. Go I ahead. don't know for a fact about this one, but I know, like for example, SFO is a United Hub, so that can be dead. But United could be crazy, right? If, if an airline routes all of their flights through there, that could be an answer, right? And that's that's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking. But like, but like you know, these reports are saying Delta is the one that's short a few planes, or American forgot their pilot, or you know, this is just. It, it's catch as catch can with all of the Southwest is having the same problem. Yeah, they moved the gate. It, there's going to have to be. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone's going to fill this gap, but somebody's going to say it just can't be the cheapest. Right. We there has to be some intermediate thing where people pay a little more for a little better service, a little better meal, a little better whatever. It just can't all be what is the cheapest. We did not know, you know, 40 years ago, everyone thought it was about the fastest. Right. But we didn't know we were going to revert back to the, the cheapest, but essentially. Remember the days where that was standard? The cutlery and the meal and... Oh my God! I I, I have over. vivid memories of uh, the cold champ- silverware, right. the champagne cart. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day as I was being offered a box of empty calories and dried <laughs> M&Ms and dried, dried meat. Right. Uh, I was thinking about the uh, the ice. Now so I had a few power moves. I I started flying first class. I had never really flown before, and then the next thing you know. You're going out to do Letterman or something like that. They give you a first class ticket, L.A. to New York, you know, and that was uh, the height the, of luxury. The ice cream sundae cart. Oh, they would, never they would roll that. the sundae cart. Never oh, the meal. You had your choice of the meal. Yes. You know, you want the steak, you want the fish or the chicken, whatever. But at the end, they would roll that cart. And they'd stop the cart and they'd go, would you like an ice cream sundae? And I'd go, yes, I would. <laughs> and then they'd go, would you like the hot fudge? Hot fudge sprinkle. Or, or would you like the tapioca? Or sorry, caramel. the caramel. Or would you like the strawberry sauce and whipped Ooh. cream and nuts? Or what would you like? And I'd go, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my- yes. Suicide. Oh. Hit it all. I love Put the, it all on there. I love that you're saying that because right before you told the story, I was going to say whatever you're about to say reminds me of one of my favorite Seinfelds where he's in first class and Elaine's in the back and how, you know, the contrast is. And she rolls the Sunday card up to him and says, more anything? And he says, more everything. <laughs> those were those I, days. Yes. I And I remember the champagne cart because uh, I helped myself once oh. and was yelled at sure, <laughs> that it was sure. not a self-serve <laughs> card. Right. I did help myself to some champagne while we we're on the ground because the days fucking are over. cart was right in front of me. I do remember having an exquisitely uncomfortable but yet eye-opening experience with a guy I was traveling in New York with. So it was like first class, big wide body plane. I remember seats in the middle, like first oh. class in the middle, sitting next to this youngish business guy, and. uh they would come by, and I mean, first class, if it was at night, especially L.A. to New York, like a 7 o'clock right. flight or something, it w- the the stewardess came by like 13 times. Like the first one was, would you like the snack, the cheese plate? Would you like the salad? Right. The first would, course. Hot towel. Hot yeah. towel. Do you want the champagne? Would you like a cocktail or whatever? And I was formerly poor. And from the family I'm from, and my thing is, I'm not saying no to anything this mm-hmm. chick asked me. And 
Overcorrection. <laughs> champagne. Yeah, I'll have some champagne. Would you like a cake? Yeah, I'll have a cocktail too. Like, will we have cheese? Yeah, I'll have the cheese and the warm nuts. Okay. And this guy sat next to him just said no to everything. Mm. And the, the meal, the, the ice cream What's cart, this? the champagne. That's just, its own no, power move. Just no. And I thought, who is this yeah. guy? Who is he that he says no to Every he would, monk. a cup of warm nuts. They would have the mixed warm nuts. Like now, mm-hmm. now coffee. Now, and she'd keep coming around for the you want the tea, the coffee because everything was done in stages. It would start with the oh, champagne. It would nine go courses. To, go to the cheese platter. Then it would go to the salad. Then it'd go to the main meal. Then it would go to the dessert, mm-hmm. and then it would go to the coffee and the tea and the after. The you know uh, liqueur, which you like a little after mm. meal liquor, and now. No to everything. And it just bugged the shit out of me the entire Maniac. flight. You should Maniac. have leaned into your uh, hillbilly ways and said, can I have his? I'll take his. Yeah. <laughs> I frequent, frequently ate nuts of people that fell asleep. <laughs> frequently. Oh, over? I reach right oh. over. Well, if we were sharing the same sure, center course, arm, yeah. whatever, and that person passed out, that was on them. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yours. Fair and, game. And no one ever counted them or woke up <laughs> outraged or anything. It's just a little moment where I had to grab it. That's that is all. You know, phenomenal. To connect this to something we were talking about earlier, uh, with the movies where the mid-level budget's going away, and I say they're huge budget or micro budget, that's how it is in air travel now. Like, there's just nothing. Yeah. Nothing, Feast nothing, or famine. nothing lovely in the middle. There, of course, is you know, Southwest and what we're getting used to now. Now, but there's some pretty badass like international first class, you know, like Emirates going with like the with right. the, the, the pods. Hi, right. Gary. The and pod, the, that's yeah. right, the pod, and like, and then you, know, you got your sun countries, your spirits, exactly. your frontiers. Yeah, Chris used to go your to budget. London when she was on Virgin Atlantic. They had like a bar, like a cool bar right there in the front. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think society, it's a uh, safe spaces and octagons, I had jeeps and Priuses. I, I think we're all just going, we're going extreme. One you're way right. You're either going full cattle car <laughs> or full pod with the uh, bar. And let me yes and this to the nth degree. If you really have the money, you too can go up into orbit again. Jeff Bezos successfully just completed his historic flight into space aboard his Blue Origin New Shepard rocket and just showing you some footage as I talk about it. The Amazon founder, along with his brother, Mark, uh, Wally Funk, and an 18-year-old student named Oliver Damon blasted off uh, from Texas at 9 a.m., planned for an 11-minute flight, went off without a hitch. The crew reached a height of roughly 62 miles above the Earth. From memory, I think that was farther up than yeah. Richard Branson. Richard I think that Branson was 50. Like 50 or 55 yeah. or something. Yeah. They got to experience weightlessness for a little while. Also, Branson being dropped from the belly of an airplane. It's not quite the rocket to the That's moon right. that we kind of picture but he here. wanted to go first. He wanted to be Jeff. Yeah. Then he did. So um, it, it, this one was kind of fun to watch. There was no camera inside, or at least they never cut to it, but you can hear them sort of hooting and hollering when they're weightless. And the capsule itself literally... Just la- it landed safely in West Texas. The whole capsule from one uh, parachute, mm-hmm. and I saw it uh, decelerating, and it was going. I mean, you know, fifteen, sixteen miles an hour. It had a little bit of a bumpy uh, landing, but everybody's celebrating. It when it's a little tiny, little like mushroom head capsule, the part that actually landed. It's a dick. It's that's very a phallic. dick. That's yeah. a dick. The top is oh, what's going to detach itself, and literally just the head falls to the ground, and it went very well. Here they come, coming out, happy as clams. Wow! And that eighteen-year-old, what yeah. the fuck? 
unclear what his backstory is, but the the amount that he or somebody who loves him very much for his birthday paid was undisclosed. I Isn't that the story about a guy buying a seat and then having to back yes. out? Or was so that he something got to else? Go. Nope, so that the 18-year-old went. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 18. Where did he go from there? Yeah, it's all literally downhill from, from there. Yeah. And Bezos and God. But I wonder, I mean, I wonder... If I wonder what they talked about. I wonder if he got in on stuff. Like, I oh, wonder, yeah. I wonder what that what that means. 18. Sell your shares. Yeah, it's kind of. I don't know. Where are you guys on crazy experiences at such a young age? I, you I, tell us. I, <laughs> I, I first class. Don't yeah. ruin yourself, kids. I like yeah. it earned. Yeah, I, I, I don't like. I, I, I do believe we have the ability to turn everything into nothing. Yeah, that's our. That's every bit of our of our fiber is always kind of trying to normalize everything yes. immediately. Right. And if you just, I'll, I've said this many times, go out to eat three nights in a row and then realize you don't really, you don't enjoy it nearly as much as you did when you spread it out. Yep. Absolutely. You, you go out to eat really honestly, three or four nights in a row, just go out to, to a nice dinner and it will yeah. not, you will not look forward to your fifth night. That's nope. right. And remember, you might cancel it. Yeah. Booked. I think Gordon Ramsay was the one who sat right here and said his kids are never allowed to fly first class with him. They fly coach. He flies first. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Earning your way up. Uh, well, um, this is a little less than a week old, but we have to get to it because uh, I have some footage of it. The Stubing's top- hat. <laughs> his bow tie. His dicky, his dicky, and his sanitary socks. <laughs> those, those weird sheer white oh, yeah. high top. They would wear Oof. those socks right up to their yeah. knees. Yeah, hot for sale. Uh, the talk has found the permanent replacement for Sharon Osbourne, who left after the argument over Meghan Markle and Pierce Morgan. Oh, they have a new. They filled the seat. I think I know who it is. Do you By know if means. it's? Do you know the gender? It's Brad Thor. I oh. think it's a fella. Mm. I think he's a fella of color. Mm. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Couldn't be whiter, well, actually. Well, then I didn't get it. Then uh, Billy Eichner? Uh, <laughs> <Billy Eichner? laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, actually doesn't check any boxes oh, except male. Not gay? Not outwardly. Mm. Uh, mm. Famous wife. Mm. Um, they're introducing this their first... Shepherd. <laughs> no, but male co-host ever. Let's just watch a minute of the announcement bringing him on stage and all the fanfare. Hey, here he is! Oh. The member of the talk, Jerry O'Connell! Oh, fan of the show, Jerry O'Connell. Oh. Jerry O'Connell comes out. I think Jerry is universally beloved. Yes, everyone loves Jerry. And, you know, they get... Instant access to Rebecca Romaine. Bringing Lord everyone flowers. And they they couldn't be more hyped. He's a nice fellow. He's, yeah, he's hamming it up. Enjoy while last, Jerry. excited how does it feel how does it feel man it's um it's really exciting first of all i want to say you ladies have been so welcoming to me i mean i came here as a guest uh, months ago we'll get him drunk and ask him what he really thinks in four months you're kind you're fun and (laughs) it worked and um here we are and we're gonna have a lot of fun we really are 
Yeah, yeah apparently he was Jerry. He was just a guest, and they all fell in love with him. Oh well, who was I? T- I was talking. Who were you thinking? Brian has the dr- the drop of um, KGB's brother. Oh yeah. Uh, come on. Oh God, I always forget how to say this guy's uh, name. Uh, oh, yeah. Wait, Brian will find yeah, it. Yeah, he will. I will. It's he gonna will. take a minute. That's a new computer as oh, of okay. today. Sorry, sorry to put you. Uh, Did on you the think spot. he really was the? He'd I, be great. Yeah, it was. He would be great when I can think of how to say his name. But um, <laughs> you won't have to in a minute. Yeah, the, the problem with all these shows, I think, with the dude now is like you can be a dude, but you're not really going to be able to fully express your male points of view. Oh no, and they'd appreciate this, if you didn't this show. You're yeah. going to have to sort of go along and, and get along. Oh uh, yeah, Ak- yeah, Akbar Kabajamila. <laughs> Or some some version Baja, of Baja Bimila. Yeah, well, Brian will find it at uh, at some point. I don't know if Jericho? he was up for this or, or not, but I think he was. He's I American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, he's a badass. Love him. So is his brother. What's his brother's name? Uh, we just called him <laughs> KGB. I think when we can't pronounce guys' yeah. names, we give him a we give him a nickname. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Brian will find that. In the meantime, Megan the Stallion has now become the first rapper to appear on the cover of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And I have a picture of that, and it's, uh, it ain't bad. Uh, her hit, remember, WAP with uh, Cardi B, split the internet in two in 2020 with critics calling it an attack on American values. But the message of female sex positivity struck a chord with listeners across the world. Is um, her name Megan the Stallion? The like Stallion. the Stallion? Yeah, the Stallion. The there Stallion. Yeah. Do we know what her real name is? I would assume Megan. What do you think her last name is? Stalinovsky. Like, yeah, does she have Stalingenberg or something? Stalin Orowitz. It'd be interesting. It's, you got it? It's Megan Javone Ruth Pete. Four names. Oh, that's I like interesting. It. Um, CNN reports that Megan the Stallion's explosive popularity can at least, and this will kind of. Wait, isn't a know. stallion a dude horse? It's like a horse that hasn't been broken, like it hasn't been trained. But Are I, they always male? Well, there's the Italian stallion. Right. I, and then there's the kind of what's well, kind of interesting, like the I think the I I don't know. I feel like stallion Maybe that's suggests the point. male. That's but I that's how I think of it. But I don't know. It, it does. It's a wild horse. Right. But if it is, then that would that would I could make that a thing. Look at that. Curvy. Delicious. Um, yeah. She's. You know, breaking into a very male-dominated industry, so it's kind of a maybe it's a nod to that. I don't know what stallion is an uncastrated male horse. There you go. Oh, really? All right. Well, now I'm more confused. Yeah. She, she her she was called a stallion in adolescence due to her height, which is five ten, and thick body frame. Oh, oh because right. in the Bada Bing and Sopranos, they call those girls thoroughbreds. But either way, so she was called a stallion. Well, that's that's a. That's kind of derogatory. Yeah, then, it's like right? a, they say it's a southern term that uh, voluptuous and statuesque women in the South are colloquially called stallions. I bet they hate it, though. That's my <laughs> whole point. Like You're reclaiming it. Okay, good. So her thing is body positivity and championing championing that. Each track, they say, is an unapologetic love letter to curves, confidence, and carnal desire. I love that everyone has to feel confident about their body. Hey, you know what I want to start championing? Nutsack positivity. 
Because I feel like we felt bad about our socks for too long. Most guys kind of apologize yeah. aesthetically for their nutsack. The length. It's never the it's never attractive part of a man's no. body. It gets kind of a bad name. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to turn it into something positive. Yeah, embrace it. There's mm-hmm. only one way to do that. That's right. Drop trowel. Sack out Wednesdays. <laughs> Everyone pulls the sack out, and we stop apologizing. I think, and you we should. start uh, leaning in and owning our Bags. sack truth. Yes, Adam the scrotum master. That's right. Gotta yeah. we gotta do that, and maybe I could get on um, in Sports Illustrated and wear some like dolphin shorts with yeah. no underwear and just kind of just really have one hanging out, sit in a park bench, and just kind of <laughs> let it, let it breathe a little bit. You know, yeah. Have the kids behind me. Obviously, it's not a weirdo type you, thing. You're so brave. I'm trying to pass. Them. I'm trying to get people confident, feeling positive now I get about it. their scrotal area. I think mm-hmm. it's time. It's time to put an end to sack shaming. Yeah, it's a lot of sack shaming out there. Sorry. All right. Go ahead. Well, I hope you. I hope this is a resolution for next year. A recent poll from YouGov reports that one in five people in the U.S. do think the COVID nineteen vaccine has a microchip in it. According how to how many? One in five. One in five? To the Economist slash YouGov poll, when asked how likely they thought it was that, quote, the U.S. government is using the vaccine to microchip the population, 20% of U.S. adults said they believe it was definitely, probably true. Uh, 14% definitely weren't probably. sure. <laughs> definitely slash probably. One out of five adults. Of this poll. Oh, well, the majority. Of this poll. Yeah, but it just can't be. One in yeah, five Americans is, think there's a chip. According in the, to the week, um, when uh, or this week, when broken down by vaccination status, 51% of those not vaccinated believe the chip, uh, believe that there is a chip. 9% of fully vaccinated people believe there's a chip. But we that, have phones. We're already being tripped. We're already tracked. I get it. But 10% essentially of people who've been vaccinated think there's a chip According in, to the YouGov poll. I wonder where they found these. Well, that's too high to me. I mean, I, I do like to marvel at how dumb or crazy or yeah. whatever everyone is. Uh. But, you know, when you do those things, there's like 41% of Americans think Elvis is still alive. I'm like, was that really? Or are we just that lucky that we've never run into yeah, that right. person? I think they're either on to something there. I believe one out of 10 people. And, and let's look that. at it. Glasses half full. Most people don't believe this. Yeah, 90% of people. No, 20%. Yeah, one out of five. One out of five think there's a chip. Oh, I misunderstood. Well, there's but a few still, categories. Still, still the vast majority. Like insanely, yes. uh, there's a large group of yeah. Americans yeah. who think there's a chip in there. But I was listening to another podcast, uh, like a news podcast earlier, and I thought the same thing because now there's Pfizer has come out saying, everybody needs a third shot. We might need it every year. And my first thought was, do we, or is this the cash cow that you guys have prayed for? Like, I have a Pfizer vaccine. Am I good? And you just want to just keep wringing the money out of this as much as possible? Or am I really risking myself by thinking that? And the CDC was like, hold on, Pfizer. We haven't done our research. Mm-hmm. Like, just calm down. So, you know, I mean, I get I get that there are things that people are... Well, I mean, to me, the most sus- suspicious part of this whole thing is... When someone started talking about therapeutics, Mm -hmm. and the therapeutics were old drugs that nobody made any money off of, and you know, hydroxychloroquine was cheap or free or whatever. When, when all the old stuff where the patent had run out, and people were making generic versions of it, and it was essentially close to free, and everyone turned on the 
essentially the stuff that had no profit Mm -hmm. to it. That we already know won't kill you because they use it for other things. Yeah, that part of it made me get a little big pharma. Yeah. Few thoughts in, in that the the war on therapeutics right. kind of got me into I I I could see where people would have suspicious thoughts right not chip in the vaccine just the kind of wholesale and by the way like sort of um concentrated attack on all therapeutics like mm. somebody would bring up some doctors would bring up some therapies and everyone would just turn on them and pull it, pull it off the internet yeah. and everyone's going, no, can't happen. And yeah. like, I, I don't know. Seemed a little coordinated. Mm. You know what I mean? Like my whole thing with a lot of this stuff, which I always kind of say as a, you know, the lab leak theory or hydroxychloroquine or whatever. Um, if you're in your natural state, your natural state is sort of agnostic. Right. You know what I mean? Like someone could go, I want you to try this restaurant you've never eaten at before. You go, oh, okay, tell me about it. What's in it for you? The place sucks. We're not going there. Right. Like the the guy runs the place at a race. It's like, what do you want from me? Too many thoughts in advance. You know what I mean? Like that that suggests, oh, are you in with the restaurant or are you in with their competitors? Like why so, what's a strong reaction? And look, pharmacies are big pharma you know, take Big Pharma. They they put billions of dollars into something, and they need to see a return on their investment. And then some guy starts talking about stuff that they don't make any money off of, maybe being effective. And then you're looking out for your your right. shareholders, right? I'm also wondering if you consider this. I mean, it does seem like an ugly American thing. Um, you know, we're talking about to booster or not to booster. You know, and we've you know anyone who's wanted a vaccination. In this country, I would imagine could have gotten it by now. And now we're talking about like a third booster, you know, a boost or a third shot or whatever. And so many um, developing nations haven't even had their first vaccine. So we're sitting there fighting over, do you get your next one? And then it's like, there are people literally dying in the street in India, ironically, where where the active ingredient is made and they mm. haven't had access to their first one. So well, what do we do? Yeah, I, I heard um, not a good look for a nation. It was like Haiti had less than mm-hmm. 2% of mm-hmm. people vaccinated or something, which right. is really... It really just says we have no infrastructure. Like we don't no know the, we don't know how to run anything. Right. We well, don't know what's going on. There's like no their, pri- their president or whatever you want to call him was just assassinated in this crazy coordinated attack. Oh right. That was insane. Like they heard people speaking English and Spanish and they said they I think they said they were the DEA which kind of like runs things so they let him right into the compound and like went right up and I think shot the wife. I, I think she lived. Why the wife? And and assassinated him like crazy shit going on. Yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway. Um. All right. Give him the booster <laughs> or something. Uh, we have another uh, athlete coming out and proud now. Nashville Predators prospect Luke Prokop became the first active player under NHL contract to come out as gay. Uh, he made the announcement on Instagram in a uh, in a letter. The defenseman from Edmonton was selected in the third round by the Predators in 2020 mm. and signed a three-year... Huh? Mm-hmm. You think he's a against-the-boards guy or... He's a high-check high fellow. Yeah. Is that what, well, what I'm saying is we got tops and bottoms. I gotcha. Against the board is the bottom. Okay. Trying to dig the puck puck out of the board. The guy comes up behind him. Mm. That's the top. This is good. Let's see work if I can this. work this out. 
We're the real victims here because well, we have to come you, up with you new You've never seen a guy trying to get the puck out of the corner and a guy come up on him he pretty knows fast. What he's doing. You get it. I didn't realize that. They ain't no, ain't no tops trying to, trying to get that puck out of that boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, now oh, I want to yeah. watch. Look it up. I will. He uh, likely will spend next season back in junior hockey in Canada, but will be taking part in oh, the Predators' upcoming canceled. training camp. Mm-hmm. So uh, good for him. Yeah. Mm. Hockey's a good one to look at the ratings for. It's a pretty conservative sport. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't think there's a lot of kneeling going on. <clears throat> no. Mm. No, hockey's probably... I mean, I you know I I don't know what the pecking order is. I think basketball is probably the wokest, and then hockey is probably the least in the woke woke right. department. Possibly, but yeah. I don't know how their uh, how their ratings went. But they had a couple of big. I mean, it was a it was a good. I mean, they had two big markets. They had they had Florida and they had Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, and Canadians seem pretty live and let live as a people. Yeah, the the people are. I don't know the minute. I don't know the, the, the leaders hulking. are, but the, gotcha. the people seem to be that way. Do we have time for one more? Yes. Okay. Uh, talk about a hero. Let's talk about a rancher named Frank Reynolds, fifty three years old in Gillette, Wyoming. He got himself in a little trouble uh, recently. He rolled his ATV, dislocating his shoulder, breaking several ribs, very very much in pain, pinned underneath the ATV. So far out in the middle of nowhere, nobody could hear him. Um, he had to survive for uh, two days, and he had nothing with him except a bottle of water and a 12-pack of Keystone Light. Mm-hmm. And that is what kept him alive. Beer's food. For two days, he waited for someone to find him. Along the way, he stayed hydrated by drinking the water, drinking all the Keystone Light. Eventually, a neighbor tracked him down and got him to the hospital where he fully recovered Thankfully, are you sure this guy just doesn't hate his wife <laughs> and just wanted to go drink a fucking full <laughs> pack in peace my... for like the first time ever? That's a very good thing. That's true. Coming yeah. in, the telling him to get thing. his feet off the furniture. Yeah, that's. I brought same, a bottle of water. You're right. Yeah, I, because I get the water, but where was he going with the twelve pack on the ATV? And uh, He's a suspect. same thing kind of happened to Ozzy Osbourne. Remember? Yes, that's right. That's right. The the. the uh, the ATV is kind of the hippopotamus of the uh-huh. outdoor four four by world, which Deadly. is yeah. everyone's always talking. Up, you know, they think the race cars or the motorcycles. Mm-hmm. That ATV is the one that gets you, right? And they don't. And it's the hippo. It's like everyone thinks they're ah, cuddling they're and cute and whatever. They are the ones who kill the most people. Yeah, that's what the that's what those quads are. Well said. People get on them. They feel <laughs> totally secure. You know, if you get on a motorcycle and you just get on it and you just put your feet up on the pegs, you just fall over. Right. You you get it real quick. Like, I got to keep this thing right. upright. You get on the quad, you're just sitting there and you're like, oh, I got room between my legs for a 12-pack of Natty Light <laughs> or Keystone or whatever whatever it is Do I'm traveling with. we have Keystone here? Oh, yeah. How dare you? Yeah. Dawson, come on, buddy. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. All right let's bring, bring it, it home. <laughs> you got it. I'm Gina Grant. Yes, and that's the news. More everything! <laughs> Gina, Gina That was the news with Gina Grad. Well, let me tell you about LifeLock. As more people get vaccinated, summer travel is heating up. Watch out for pandemic-related travel scams like fake airline tickets and hotels booked online that could expose your info. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. 
Every day, we put our info at risk on the internet. In an instant, cyber criminals could harm your finances and your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they will send you an alert. So protect yourself with LiveLock, right, Dawson? No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock with with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by using promo code ADAM. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com. Use promo code ADAM for 25% off. All right, you can go to amcrolla.com for all the live shows and uh, check out our chassis channel on Pluto TV 687. It's all free. Lots of content going up there. I want to thank Brad Thor and his uh, best-selling book, Black Ice, available now on Amazon. Until next time, it's Adam Crow for Gina Grad and Brad Thor and Bob Ryan. Say it. Mahalo. Hi, everybody. I'm the alpaca lady. Follow the Adam Carolla Show on Twitter at Adam Carolla Show. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Carolla. You can give us a voicemail at 888-634-1744. And get your tickets to see the Ace Man. Go to adamcarolla.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too because you got so much to do already. Go to geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is geico.com today. That's geico.com. Saving starts with internet and wireless from Xfinity. Because when you get Xfinity Internet and add mobile, you can save up to $400 a year on wireless. Enjoy fast, reliable internet at home and nationwide 5G on the go, included at no extra cost. Get Xfinity Internet and mobile together and ask how to get an eligible 5G phone on us. And for a limited time, $300 back. Don't miss out. Go to Xfinity.com slash start saving. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Savings based on optimized pricing. Actual savings may vary.